0: We're here to talk about marriage. Let me ask you this, did you have a good night? Yeah, like really good
1: night? <laughs> okay, and just for those of you who fought last night, just know this, that's normal too. Yeah. Like sometimes this kind of stuff stirs up old things that have been down there, so don't get discouraged. We
0: literally got lost going back to our cabin last night. <laughs> Because there's a couple in here that walked down with us from uh, as we came out. I don't know where you guys are, but they, they've been here. We just followed them. We didn't know where we were going. We weren't so- looking
1: around, so we're walking around in the dead of <laughs> night. Like, it's so black. It was hilarious. Took so- us a bit. And then
0: we realized how city folk we are. We're like, no air conditioning?
1: <laughs> How do you
0: function? And then we open up the windows. We're like, oh, it's cool in California in the evening. So, all right. So here's what we're going to talk about. Uh, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about the number one need of your man or what your man longs for in your marriage. And tonight, uh, we're going to talk about the number one need of your woman, so the wife, okay? So we decided to go men first so you can argue about it all afternoon, and then tonight <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll finish it.
1: But know this, like, as you listen, like, you're, you might be totally different. So yeah. the great thing is you can have a discussion today and tonight about what this looks like for you specifically. And
0: I know some of you just get bummed because you're like, didn't you say last night you're going to talk about sex tonight? Anybody? Anybody remember that? You can't admit it, but you're going, like, yeah! Well... <laughs> We'll talk about it. And by the way, that is not the number one thing she wants, guys. But we're going to talk about actually what that actually looks like. But here's the thing. If, if you know your Bible at all, and if you don't, that's fine. Uh, I did not become a follower of Christ until uh, my junior year in college. I never read the Bible. I never went to church really that much. I never went to Sunday school. I had never been to a camp like this in my entire life. I'm a junior in college. I give my life to Christ. And I'd never read the Bible. So I was just a novice. So if you're sitting there like, I don't really feel comfortable in this book, I get it. It, it's a big, sort of complex. Sixty-six books in one book, and it's all—it's all over the place. The Old Testament's like ooh, and the New Testament's like ooh, and right, and so. But it's really interesting that as you get into the New Testament, and by the way, when when you look at the marriages in the Bible, have you ever studied the marriages in the Bible? Yours is a lot better. Trust me. <laughs> in fact, don't ever say I want a biblical marriage. No, you don't. You don't want. <laughs> many wives and it's just craziness but you want a godly christian marriage and when you get into the new testament you get a picture of what that looks like and it's actually really beautiful and also impossible and without I would, the power of god
1: i would say this we're living in a time and culture where i feel like marriage is the greatest evangelistic tool that we have because it's uncommon to see two people that mutually love and complete each other and i think most of us feel like as we were getting lost last night i felt like we had no idea what God's plan was. We thought, oh, God wants us to be happy, right? And so it's really good to look into the Bible to find out what is God's yeah, plan. Yeah, we, we
0: said last night uh, we went to the Weekend to Remember. You remember that? Two weeks before our wedding. Uh, and by the way, the Weekend to Remember still happens. We still speak at it, and there's one or two in California. Anybody know where? Northern California? Monterey, we've spoken in Ventura, there's one down LA, and they're all over the country. They're fabulous. Go to familylife.com and you can sign up for one. But you know, the one we went to as an engaged couple, we did not listen. Because we're engaged, we're getting married, we're in love, we love Jesus, we're going into ministry. Who needs this? This is just, you know, prerequisite we're supposed to go. I, I found our manual not too long ago and we didn't take any notes. And we had, I had a little drawing in there. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I'll, I'll tell you what I drew. I drew Ann sitting right beside me. 14 days from now, we're getting married. So I drew a bed and a stick figure of her in the bed and a stick figure of me on top of her in the bed. And I said, in 14 days, that's what we're doing. <laughs> so some of you are like, you are sick, dude. That's what all I was thinking about was like, we've been waiting for this moment. And then, like we said last night, we thought it would be easy, and it's really, really difficult. And one of the things we didn't understand is what she longs for and what I long for because men and women are different, right? Now, they're not all men are this way and all women are this way. It can be a whole mixed bag, but we are entirely different. But if you want to look at a passage, and we'll look at a little bit of it today, in the New Testament about marriage, there's a classic. It's the longest writing about marriage. Anybody know where it is? Maybe we give them a free shake if they can say it. Song of Solomon's Old Testament, and that's a pretty interesting book as well. But I'm talking New Testament. There's like... 20 verses just yep. on marriage.
1: Somebody said it. Ephesians. Ephesians
0: 5. Whoever said it first, you get a free shake. I'll give you one. I got an <laughs> extra one of my... But you're not getting my shake because I love chocolate shake. So anyway, um, yeah, Ephesians 5. What's really interesting, if you go, it's sort of toward the end of the chapter, you read what he says about marriage, but most people never understand the context. Let me give you the context. I don't even know if we put these on the notes. I just added these. But in Ephesians 1, and I'm a Bible guy that says you just can't pull a verse out and try to interpret it. You got to understand... What's the context? Who's the writer? What's going on? And so to get at chapter 25, or or chapter 5, verse 25, you got to start at verse 1. Now, I'm not going to read them all, but listen to how Paul starts this discussion. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Therefore, based on everything he said about who God is, who our identity is, he says, imitate God. It's interesting. It's written in Koine, a real specific dialect of Greek language, and imitators means to mimic God. Or to copy. So here's what he's saying. If you're a beloved child of God, by the way, he's reminding us of our identity. That's who you are. No matter what you did last week or what's been done to you in your life, you are a beloved child of God. And he says to you and I who are followers of Christ mimic, copy, imitate God. In other words, people should be able to look at our lives and our marriages and get a view or a picture of what God's like. Let me ask you how are we doing? You know, if your neighbor's ever come over and said, man, there's something about you, i got to know what it is. That could and should happen. It's actually happened in my life when I became a Christian in college. One of my, I was a quarterback, and one of my uh, fellow quarterbacks came to my dorm room one night and said, something's changed in you. What is it? So anyway, that's what he's saying. Imitate God as beloved children. And he says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, I'm not going walk to walk you through that, but I just want to say this. Is it possible to mimic, copy, imi- imitate God? I mean, you just do it every day, you wake up and you're just like, God? It's actually impossible. It's like you should hear that and go, how in the world could anybody live as, as God did? If you want to know what God's like, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. So if you want to know what God's like, all you have to do is look at Jesus and look at his life and his characters and attributes and say, that's what it looks like to imitate God. Anybody here perfect like Jesus? No, we can't do it. So you're like, well, he gives us this command. How in the world do we do this? Well, you fast forward to 17 verses later. Many of you, if you've been around church, have heard this verse. He says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says... Here's how you imitate, mimic, copy God. You have to do it filled with God. you got to be filled by his Holy Spirit. And I love this passage because he says, don't get drunk with wine because that's a waste of time. Be filled with the Spirit. And you're like, why is he comparing being drunk with wine to being filled with the Spirit? Anybody know? Well, let me ask you. I'm guessing you don't know this, but maybe you know somebody that's ever been drunk in their life. Okay? None of, none of you have ever been that. So if somebody's drunk, what controls them? Alcohol, they're controlled by alcohol. Don't we say things about drunk people? He would never do that sober. She would never say that or act like that sober. Yeah, they act differently because they're controlled by an outside substance. What's he saying? That's a waste of time, but he's literally saying, don't get drunk with wine and being controlled by that, be drunk or controlled by the Holy Spirit. In other words, get drunk with the Holy Spirit. It's good, you should get drunk today, tonight, by the Holy Spirit. And let me ask you another question you shouldn't know the answer to, but for a person that wants to stay drunk, what do they have to keep doing? Yeah, how do you know that? I don't know, but they have to keep drinking, <laughs> right? And so it's the same with the Holy Spirit. If I'm going to imitate or mimic God, I've got to continually be allowing the Holy Spirit, what I said last night, to go vertical, to put him in first place on the tandem bike, is to put Jesus in first, allow his Holy Spirit to fill us so that I can imitate, mimic God. Now, that is actually possible under the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's so interesting. I have people come up to me at my church all the time and say, hey, so he didn't say anything about beer and getting drunk with beer, so that's okay? It's just wine? I'm like, <laughs> dude, that's not the point. All right, the point is what controls you. And if it's your own natural power, you have no chance to do what we're going to talk about today. If you have the Holy Spirit power, you have the the possible power to do the impossible through Christ who lives in us all right that's the that's the foundation that's the sort of the the background as you get into Ephesians 5 and then he says we're going to talk about this later tonight especially for the guys husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church every wife should love that verse because it's a command to husbands we're going to save that for tonight and just go to the end of what he says this long discussion at the end of Um, Ephesians, like to the last verse, he says this about men and women. And I know many of you have heard this, but he says, however, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And I remember when we were in 1982, we were in seminary in San Bernardino, California. We lived there for three years. We loved California at that time. It was awesome. And it was the first time a book ever came out that talked about why Paul wrote two different words for how a wife is supposed to treat her husband and how a husband is supposed to treat his wife. And, and, and it was about, it says, husbands, what your wives? Love your wives. We're going to talk about that tonight. It says, wives, what your, your men? Respect. Why? Different words. Why didn't it just say, husbands, love your wives? Wives, love your husbands. Or husbands, respect your wives. Wives, respect... Two different words. I believe the Holy Spirit inspired the writing of, of, the, of the Bible. It's literally the word of God. And so God was revealing something to us. Let me ask the women this. What do you think your man's number one need is? Admiration. Anything else?
1: Somebody said affirmation.
0: Affirmation. Mm-hmm.
1: Respect. Respect.
0: Respect. You know, it's funny when we sometimes we speak in corporate settings and we, we don't say any of this background stuff. We just say, hey, ladies, what do you think? Usually they say sex. And then somebody might say respect, and I just say, same thing. So anyway, here's the thing. (laughs) It is very interesting that he calls wives to respect, and you said it, affirmation. Uh, uh, What was the other one? Admiration. It's just uh, building them up. And now, do wives need that? Of course they do. It isn't like a different thing, but it's uniquely uh, presented in a way that men come alive when they're respected. And And we really believe that that is the number one uh, need of a man and so you know we're, we're in our marriage and we're trying to figure this thing out and we often didn't feel like that was happening
1: well I felt like I mean if we we both went to seminary I've studied that scripture I'm like yeah I respect Dave that's that's no big deal Um, And we had been married about 15 years, and I was asked to come and speak to this moms of preschoolers, mops group at our church. And I told Dave, like, you should come with me. That would be really fun for them. You're the pastor. They'd love it if you came. And so he goes, yeah, I'll do that. So we go to this morning group, and I said to Dave, like, what do you want to talk about? He goes, I don't know. Let's just flow, man. Let's just go. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So we get there, and I have no idea where he's going but he started to say some things that I've never heard him share before. And he gets all amped up, and he's all, all excited about this. And he goes, you know, women, I don't even think you get it. What it's like for us to be men, because here's what happens. Most of us, as little kids, little boys, we have a mom or grandparents or somebody that's usually saying, look at you, you're so good at that, look at you, are great, and they're cheering for us. And he said, and then we get older, and we kind of find out what we're passionate about, what we're good at, whether it's school or or sports or music or whatever, and then we have a coach or a teacher or someone else that's saying, you are great at this, and they're cheering for us. And then he goes, and then I played college football, so on Saturdays, I have people cheering for me, Dave Wilson, you're the man.
0: Hundreds of thousands. (laughs) Anybody ever heard of Ball State? I played at Ball State University, so maybe 30,000, so...
1: And so, and you guys, I've never heard any of this. Like, I've never even thought of that. And we had three sons at the time. They were little boys. But I thought, that's so interesting. He goes, and then I meet Anne, and basically she says this. Of all the men in the world, Dave Wilson, I choose you, and you are the man. And, and she's cheering for me all the time. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And he goes, and then after we're married for a while, you know what happens? We walk in the door. We're tired at the end of the day, and all we hear is boo, boo, and he does a three times, boo, and, and he's just, aw- and he's standing up, he's "We're boo, boo, and these <laughs> ladies are like, oh gosh, and I'm sitting here like, what is happening? Uh, it, it was crazy. What I is was, even happening? I was
0: like over here, and I really felt like, wow, I've never said it like this, this is exactly how it feels, boo, and I turn, and there she is, she's never heard me say this,
1: she's like, He's, nev- he's never said this to me. He's never said anything like this. I'm like, this is going to
0: be the longest drive home ever.
1: So you know. we get in the car to go home. And I said, what the heck was that? He goes, I don't know. It just, it just came out. I,
0: I actually said, that was God. God gave me those words.
1: Oh, you, I, I'm just going to say, like for you women, I was so mad because here's what I said. I do not boo you. Dude, I am helping you. I am helping you because everybody sees you. Oh, Dave, you're amazing. I see all of you. And so I'm really, I'm helping you to see the she, truth and she, I'm, I'm helping you be better.
0: She actually even said, she denies it. She said, I'm, I'm like the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm like,
1: I said, no. I, I said, I'm helping the Holy Spirit.
0: No, she said she was, but anyway, <laughs> I don't know. All I remember is it was a long drive home and we fought the whole way.
1: Because I really thought, I'm I'm seriously trying to help you. And here's what else I thought. Everybody else is cheering you. You know, like, everybody, they all think you're awesome. Do you need more? And so, you know, and then I thought, well, it's because you're narcissistic, all these things. And then Insecure, I- Insecure, I heard that one. Yeah, and then I thought, well, I'm not going to cheer you because if I cheer you, you'll think I'm satisfied and that will enable you to stay the same And I, and I'm not satisfied. Does this make any sense? It's so crazy. So I go home and I get on my knees before God because, and I tell God like, Lord, this is ridiculous. Did you hear what he said today? And I felt, and and then I asked this question, God, do you think that I boo Dave? And I felt like he said, yes. Praise Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And I was still defensive about it, but I felt like that the Holy Spirit within me, I felt like I've, that prompting of take, take note of your thoughts about Dave. First of all, just take note of your thoughts. And so I started doing that, and I'm telling you, you know, now that they do so much study of brain science and the neurological pathways that we form by our thinking, I realized, man, all I'm doing is critiquing him in my head. Like, he's not doing this. He should be doing this. And why doesn't he do this? And when I told Dave in the car, I said, I'm helping you. I, he said, I feel like you're constantly trying to fix me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I never do anything quite right. I never, I never help the kids. I'm not being spiritual enough. I don't pray enough. I'm not reading the Bible like somebody else does. And you put these books out to, like, try to help me. Like, read this She'd book. She
0: put them near the toilet. Like, you're going to be in there for a while. Read this. <laughs> And I just sort of toss it. And
1: I realized, like, I was always trying to change him. He was right. I was always trying to change him. And it was interesting what Dave did after that conversation. You went to all your buddies.
0: Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, we had this conversation, and I really did feel that way. I mean, I didn't literally walk in the house and she booed me, but it just felt the same as being on the lion's sideline and getting booed every Sunday, <laughs> you know, because that happened a lot. It felt similar. It's like, you don't really like me. You want to change me. I don't do this enough. I don't do this. I, I do this too much. It just felt, and it wasn't every day, but it felt like it was a theme in our marriage. And so I was traveling with, uh, I do life with s- seven guys, and every man here should have some men in their life. Every woman should have, I had these guys in my life. And we were going on a trip somewhere. I remember I was driving, and they're all in this van. And I said, hey, let me ask you guys a question. I know all their wives. I know all their kids. I've done their kids' weddings now. But this was years ago. I just said to them, do you guys feel like your wife loves you? What do you think? Every guy. All seven guys. Immediately. Yeah. I I was like, yeah, I guess you would say that. I said, let me ask you a second question. Do you feel like your wife likes you? All seven guys said, nope. I thought, wow, this isn't just happening in my marriage. They were like, and we didn't, I didn't want to you know, start a fire in there. But all you do is throw it out. It's like, yeah, she really critiques me a lot. And they're like, why'd you, why'd you ask this? Is this you writing a book about this? I'm like, <laughs> someday, and it is in our book. The chapter's called All I Hear is Boo. But it was like, I had felt that, and we had felt that in our marriage. And again, that felt like disrespect. That's what it feels like to a man when he's continually critiqued and, you know, and and it's really interesting. If you've ever read Emerson Edwards' book, Love and Respect, one of the things he says in there is you can always tell when a man feels disrespected by two symptoms. You know what they are? One is anger. The other is withdrawal. So if a man, so Emerson even says in the book, if your man blows up for, and you don't know why, just look at him and say, what did I just do or say that made you feel disrespected? He doesn't even know, but it'll be a, or if he pulls back and withdraws it could be the same thing. That's what I started doing in my marriage. There was burst of anger, but there was more withdrawal. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I spent more time at the church where I worked. I spent more time on ball diamonds playing sports because that was something I was good at. And people said, man, you're the man. And I, I found myself not wanting to come home because I just felt like I'm not a very good husband. I'm really a bad dad because mm. I sort of hear it every day. So that's where that came from. Well, and,
1: was, and so as I was started to prosthesis, I went through this journey and I wanna share this visual illustration too because you know I'm this visual teacher. And so we were doing this at church and I thought men and women need to understand but I think more than anything, because our intent as women, it's not to harm or to hurt. We really love our husbands and we see that, man, they can be great. And I thought I would motivate Dave by my critique. Like, I'm not like that, I'll show you. But what happened is he would just keep withdrawing, which made me keep, I kept pursuing him and like it's all poking the bear when he shuts down like come on come on and so i came up with this illustration that i want to show you that i feel like maybe you'll relate to it and several years ago i tried to illustrate it this way it's almost as we grow up as little girls and then we get older and we try to find the perfect man and these plants will say today are men And so we go into the market of single men, and we're like, "Oh yeah, this one looks pretty good. He's really nice." No, no, no.
0: That one's a little taller. Yeah, take that one.
1: This one right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and this one has lots of hair. (laughs) Yeah, this looks good. (laughs) Just kidding, honey. Just kidding. That was me years ago. There you go. And I'm sure that he'll be awesome. And so we say, "You are the man. This is why. Yes. Yay. Yeah. You. You. I choose you. There's nobody better than you. You are the man." And then we get married, and all of a sudden, we're like, oh, what's that? Oh, it's, it's a little brown leaf. Well, honey, let me help you with that. I don't think you've realized, but you used to be a great communicator when we were dating. Well, now you're really not such a great communicator anymore, so you need to start talking more and communicating. Here, you need to think, pick- oh, ooh, what's that? Oh, that's another one. Oh, I know what that is. What happened to the romantic days when we, used to, when we used to wine and dine and have these great romantic evenings? You're just like this clod now and all you wanna do is have sex, so what's that? And we get rid of that. <laughs> and then we think, well, well, look at this plant. There's all kinds of flaws. This isn't even helping. I need to get something else to help myself. <laughs> this will do the trick. And so we start thinking, honey, uh, you really need some help, and I'm the one to help you because you're not romantic, you don't communicate, you never pray, you don't lead, you're quiet, you, you, you never give me what I need, and I'm so tired of it, and come on, meet my needs. <laughs> and then we're done. Think <laughs> at the man. <laughs> and we're done, and you know what we do? We say, why can't you be more like him? <laughs> So, plant killer, <laughs> killer <laughs> plant shopper. It's been pretty interesting as I've done that over the years. Um, after I did it the first time at our church, there's a couple at the end of the service and they're just sitting there for a long time. I think they're probably in their 50s. And I walk over to them, like, you guys, everything okay? And the, this man is crying. Like, tears are streaming down his face. She said, he hasn't stopped crying. And I don't know what's wrong, he's not telling me. And all he did was he pointed to the plant still on the stage, and he said, I am that plant. And his wife said, I had no idea. I've done this at the weekend, remember, marriage conferences for Family Life, and I've had grown men sobbing on my shoulder, saying that's exactly what I feel, and I've never been able to figure it out or express it.
0: I remember... uh we were somewhere and this woman came up and bear hugged you for like a minute. And I said, what was that? She said, remember she said, I did that to my first husband and I'm doing it to my second husband. Yeah. And again, we're not saying all women do that, but that can be a tendency to not understand what a man longs for, a wife can actually give. And so if you're going to write anything down, just a couple thoughts. And one of them is this, every man, including your man, longs for a cheerleader. He wants and needs a cheerleader, and you're the biggest cheerleader that could be possible in his life. His wife, if our wife is the one that cheers us, it changes everything. And I I just got to say this, after that conversation at the Mops thing, she changed, and it wasn't like in a day or in a week, but over time, she literally started cheering me. I mean, not literally, she didn't cheer me when I came in, (laughs) Um, although it would be cool, you know, if we came home and... You're wearing a cheerleader outfit, that'd even be better. (laughs) We should sell those back there at the table. You know, the big D for Dave, you know, whatever. Um. Well,
1: it was interesting because remember I told you I started thinking, like listening to what I was, gauging what I was thinking. Then I started gauging what I was saying. And let me tell you, I wasn't only doing it to Dave, but to our three sons. Like constant critiquing, this constant nagging. I would have never said that. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to, I went on this journey of, deciding to see, and I ask God, like, God, show me the greatness in Dave. Show me the greatness in Dave. Because God sees the greatness. He sees it in all of us. And he wants to speak truth and life and love into us. And as a spouse, that's what God wants us to do to each other. But why do we get so caught up in the critique part? And so I went on this journey this one night. We're eating dinner.
0: Well, here's a. let me set it up. Okay. Um, Because I would say, you know, we long for a cheerleader, but women, write this down or at least log this in. Cheer who he is Mm. and what he does. Because here's what I think we do, and we're going to talk about this tonight the other way, as men trying to love our wives. We start to not like who they are. They're different, and that's an awesome, beautiful thing. When we're dating, we like that, and we get married, and we're like, why are you so different? Instead of cheering that and appreciating that that's completing us, and it's fitting us th- together uh, in our weaknesses. So cheer who he is as a man. Sometimes we just don't like, I don't like how men are That's like, I cheer that. It's a beautiful thing. And then what he does, he's got some things that he does well that other people are cheering. But we want to run home when our wife is cheering that. So here's what we thought we'd do. Just as we wrap this up, we'll give you three cheers. All right, three cheers. Women, guys, tonight you get four for the women. Because they deserve <laughs> one more than us, all right? But, for the women that write this down, guys, you don't write this down. This is for wives. To understand what would it look like to respect and cheer and affirm my husband? The first one would be this: notice, and it's that simple. Notice who he is and what he does. So, so often, we as men feel like what we do, nobody notices or sees. I, I've I've done many men's talks with just men in our church. I just did one for the National Hockey League, and I, I was talking to the men, and I said this: I said, all men have lats. And they're all looking at me like, what? LATS. You know, LATS, L-A-T-S, they're lonely, angry, tired, and stressed. All men feel that at certain times. We feel a little bit alone, and some of that's on us because we don't pursue other men and have good relationships. We often are angry because nobody sees what we do, and they don't really care. We feel tired a lot because we're doing a lot. And I know women could say, I've got lats too. And then stressed is we just feel this. We carry this way to pay in the mortgage and to take care of it. And so nobody feels that. And so when nobody notices that, it feels like we're doing this alone. But when your wife notices And appreciates and speaks something into your life, it literally changes everything. And I was gonna
1: say, out of my arrogance and pride, when I was starting to study this, here's what I thought. Why would I thank him? Nobody thanks me, and I do everything. Do you you see that arrogance? It's like keeping my eyes. I think I'm so other-centered, but really that's very self-centered, that I wouldn't praise or thank Dave. And so I don't know if any of you women have done that, but that's exactly my attitude. Yeah,
0: and so it's one, just notice, but here's number two, the second cheer, it goes together. Speak. Yeah. Life. I don't know if you know this, but Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death. Or in the power of the tongue, we can speak death, discouragement, tear down. We can speak life, affirmation, respect, build up. It's our choice. And I tell you, when you notice something that you appreciate about your husband, or something he's doing that you just need to, you maybe haven't spoken life in a long time. Just speak it out. Say thank you. I remember one time we we're sitting at the dinner table, and and before we just started eating, all three boys are there. I think they're teenagers or less. She just goes, hey, before we eat, I just want to turn to dad and say something. She turns to me.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go, guys, don't eat yet. Before we pray, I want to say this. And go ahead.
0: Yeah, I, I can tell you what she said because I'll never forget it. <laughs> She's like, let me tell you something. You are the man. Thank you for working so hard. The way you work and, the, and you're good at what you do, that provided this meal. Guys, you understand that? Dad's salary provided this meal. Man, thanks for working. You you put in hours. You, you stay up after we go to bed. You, da, da, da. She just went there. And, and I, I remember looking at her. Here's what I thought. She was sitting right here. The boys were here. Our kitchen hutch is right here. And on the kitchen hutch is a book that tells wives to do what she's doing right now (laughs) by Shanti Feldhahn, what every man longs for. And I knew she had read it. So I know she's doing just what Shanti told her to do in the book. And all I know is I didn't care. I was like, my chest starts popping out. I'm like, I am the man. All right, I didn't say that. But it just felt so good. And I'm just telling you, that's what happens inside the soul of a man when he feels affirmed. And by the way, that can happen with other people too. When men at work affirm him, man, he wants to work harder for that guy, a coach. If another woman affirms him, it's scary that a, a man can be drawn. So, man, women, I'm just telling you, when you notice and then speak life, it changes everything. And I tell you, when Ann started to speak life, because I'm telling you, she did. It was like a switch flipped over weeks and months and even years. Oh, and
1: I started to just thanking him for this stuff. Hey, thanks for taking out the garbage. Thanks for putting up the Christmas lights I had never thanked him. I just thought, that's his job, man. He should do it. And that
0: was little Hmm. compared to what I remember her speaking to me. It was stuff like, you're a good man. You're really a good husband. And I remember the first couple times she said it. I'm like, no, I'm not. You've always told me I suck at this. What do you mean? (laughs) I'd be looking at her like, what what is happening right now? I know you don't believe this. (laughs) I did, remember? (laughs) I'm a good dad, what? I'm a good spiritual leader? Not in this home. I mean, it was just like, I had never heard that. I'm just being honest. I, I mean, at first it was like, okay, you're lying, you're lying. You know. But then she kept saying it, and well, over time I started to realize she's seeing me different and speaking differently. And I just got to say this, women listen really closely, and I'm guessing you might be wired the same way, but I know men and we're wired this way. When we are downgraded, you're not a good guy, you don't do this... We sort of become what you say we are. We don't get motivated to get better. She was thinking, that's motivating me. It never worked. I just want to go. Look at the evidence. Has that been working? No. But when she started saying, you're an amazing man. You're a good husband. You're a spiritual leader of my, our boys. She was saying, you're this man. I honestly was like, I'm not that good. I really didn't even believe it myself. It's like, you're saying I'm this, but I'm really right here. Here's how men are wired. You ready? She started, kept saying, I'm this, I'm this. I'm like, I'm going to become that man. I never said it to her, but inside it's like, I can be that guy. I can be as good as she says I can be, even though I'm not now, but I will be someday, even though I'm not. Does that make any (laughs) sense? It's like you speak life into your sons, you speak life into your man. There's something that happens in the soul of the man. You know what it is? It's respect. It's in our soul. We feel affirmed, we feel believed in, we feel trusted. And it just makes us want to rise to become a better man. We can become a king or we can become a fool. And you have power in your words and in your noticing and speaking life to make us the king that you married us to be that we aren't yet but we will be because you help us get there. I don't know if that was a, a mouthful. Well,
1: and let me, um, let me kind of share, like, my journey with that. Oh, we should skip that part and just end here, I think. Go there. Yeah. So a um, couple things happened. This one night, this is when I'm really learning this, Dave's getting ready for bed, and he mentions, as he's getting into bed, he goes, man, I've had a ton of critique lately about my sermons. We um, used to have these, cards. back in the
0: day, these little CR calls called confidential request cards where we were like, give us a prayer request, we'll pray for you. Well, they became ripped the pastor cards, you know, <laughs> and they were anonymous, thank you.
1: So he starts saying oh, that. Oh, so
0: pastors know what I'm
1: talking about. <laughs> and so, okay, I'm so embarrassed that I say this, but, when he said that, I've been getting a lot of critique. This is what came to my mind, and I almost said it. Because I'm a verbal processor, so I process out loud. And I almost said, if you'd study more in the Word, your sermons would be way better. That, I'm a thinker, too. Like, I almost said that. But remember my journey? Like I go to God, and here's what I've done. I go to God first, and I ask God this question. God, should I say this? That's really hard. It takes self-control. It's taken me a while to God, should I say it?
0: Hey, by the way, this is so ingrained now in us. We have initials for this, GTGF, go to God first. We yeah. just write it down,
1: GTGF, stop before you say something and go to God first. So I say, God, should I say that? No. <laughs> no. And then I say, God, should I say anything? And is this the time? And the thought comes into my mind. Remember last night I talked about James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let us ask of God. This thought comes to my mind, and here's what I say to Dave. I can't imagine the weight that you carry as a pastor. Like, man, thousands of people are dependent on your walk with God. What a weighty thing that is for you to carry every single day of your life. And there was silence. And then he grabs me, he pulls me over to himself, and he hugs me, and he whispers, you are my life. Imagine had I said, and you're just getting to work, Mark. (laughs) Like you guys, women, we have so much influence. Do you see the influence and the power that we carry? And Satan would love us to use our tongues just to tear down, and we think it will help that our words bring life. And
0: I'll close. No, I'll just say this. All I know is this. When she said that, I mean, I can remember it. Like, yesterday, it was like, she believes in me. And here's the thing. As a pastor or as a person that, you know, sometimes you're in front of people like this, people come up to you and say good things, and here's what we think. Pro athletes, and I've talked about this all the time, it's like, yeah, they're just... They don't know us, so it means nothing. Like, you're the most amazing quarterback ever. Oh, that's nice. You know, you hate me next week when I throw four picks. You know, it's just, it's just it doesn't mean anything. So when people even at church would come up and say, man, that sermon, or you are amazing? You, you smile and say, thank you, but you know, they don't even know anything really about me. But when your wife sees it all, the good and really the ugly, and says, I believe in you, you're an amazing man, I, I, I can feel what you must feel to go through it, that's why I said, you are my life. Because you who see the crap still admire me and believe in me. It's the gospel. And trust me, that is the gospel. You get to live that out because that's what God does. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing, and it draws us to God. And so we'll end with this. We said three cheers. The last one we're going to talk about more tonight. But the first one was notice. Second is speak. And you won't believe this, but it's true. The third one is desire him sexually. I know some of you women just said, I'm not writing that one down, but that's okay. (laughs) Desire him sexually. And I joked earlier, and we don't have the time to go into it. We'll talk about it a little bit tonight. But when a wife desires her husband sexually, there's something there that's connected to a man's desire for respect. I don't have time to get into it, but they're connected. Uh, in a beautiful way, actually. And by the way, you hear that. I'm not saying, you know, rush out of here to your cabin and rip your clothes off. And, you know, I'm not saying that. Although that could be, anyway, I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. There's something when you show interest in this area of the marriage, and I'm not saying that men are more interested than women. It's all kinds of different levels. But something happens in a man's soul that says, she not only believes in me, she wants me. And there's a trust there that has something to do with a man's respect. I'll end with this. I shouldn't. But I was uh, one afternoon uh, speaking to our staff at our church uh, with my iPad on, on, on this table in front of them. And we've got a couple hundred staff. So I'm teaching some leadership thing to our staff. It's like 2 in the afternoon. And a text comes in that shows up on my iPad, you know, flashes up and goes away. And it was a text from Ann. And it didn't stay up there long enough for me to see the whole thing. But I saw enough. Because it said something to the effect of, "Hey, big boy, when you get home tonight, we're getting it," and it goes away. You know, and I'll never forget that flashed up, and I'm up there talking about leadership, and all of a sudden I go, "You know what? I think we're done. You know, take the rest of the day off." He's God, at three God, in the God just led me to say this. I'm
1: like, what are you doing home already? He goes, "You sent me that text." <laughs> all right, let's pray. And so,
0: no, I got to end with this. <laughs> a little bit of hope.
1: A little bit of hope.
0: A little bit of hope. And this is what I want to say as you walk into your afternoon. Because the afternoon is time for lunch, play, fun, but there will be some conversations. And I think one of the conversations could be, wives, ask your man, do you feel like I chop you? Do you feel respect?
1: Ooh, that's that's scary. It's really scary. You know what I mean?
0: Or maybe it's just the thing where you go before you and God and say, I'm going to change the way I've been speaking and treating my man And,
1: and maybe if your wife you know holy this is how the holy spirit works like you feel it you you know like oh i've been doing that and maybe it's just apologizing and say i feel like i've been doing that and i'm really sorry um but go before god and talk to him too
0: yeah and my last reminder is god like i said last night god can do miracles yeah god will meet with both of you and often miracles are messy Sometimes you have to go through a tunnel of chaos, sort of a, we talked about conflict last night, some conflict to get to the intimacy. Remember we talked about that last night? If you do it well, you get to a place, you would have never been that close if you had avoided this. So some hard conversations may take place today, tonight, this weekend, next week, but God's gonna meet you and I think he's gonna save a marriage. And you men, pray?
1: communicate to your wives what respect looks like to you because we really, everybody's different and we don't really know. So that'd be a good conversation too. Yeah, I'll pray. Father God, thank you for these men and women, and Jesus. I, p- I pray for our marriages. Like some of this stuff's just hard to hear, because there's just so it's so complicated, and maybe there've been some wounds or betrayal, and and it feels scary to respect someone that maybe like you feel like I don't know if I can because of what's happened. But Lord, um, you know all that, and. As we respect and love each other, it brings honor to your name. And when we can't do it to each other, we can do it to you. And so it could be an act of worship as we love and respect one another. Give us the words to say today, Lord. I pray that our hearts would be humble. Holy Spirit, continue to speak through us and um, move us. Help us to communicate the things that will bring life. And Lord, I pray that you would resurrect our feelings of hope, and joy. I pray that this afternoon could be really fun as we experience the outdoors and nature of what you've created and you've created marriage as well. So, Lord, we cling to you. We need you. We can't do this apart from you. Give us the power through your spirit to engage in these areas. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.